Good morning. I'm glad that you're here at Church in the Valley with us this morning. My name is Thad Lanthrop, and I'm the administrative pastor here. And we are in the middle of our message series called Relationships at the Box Office. And in this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at some of the themes that are found in some of the summer's biggest biggest movies. We started the series out by taking a look at X-Men Apocalypse, and in that we saw just a major theme of pride in there, and just how pride can really destroy relationships. So we took a look at what the Bible had to say about pride and, and how we can counteract that with humility. Then we took a look at Now You See Me Too, um, and we saw how hiding what is really going on with us, how that hurts our relationships. It's hard for people to relate to us when they don't really know what's going on with us. And then last week, we took a look at Finding Dory. And in that, we, t- we took a look at just how communication and, and communicating in general, it can be either a, a tremendous blessing in our relationships or it can really hurt our relationships. So we took a look at how to discern what's the right kind of communication that fits this situation that, that I'm in right now. All of these themes, they have a huge impact on our relationships. And they, they really, um, and we're going to continue looking at another theme this morning that has another big impact on our relationships as well. We're going to be looking at the theme of, of manipulation. And this theme, it's found in the movie The Legend of Tarzan. And the, Tarzan, it's got a long history of of different movies and and things that it's come out of. It was actually a book that was written um, a a long time ago by Edgar Rice Burroughs, and that's where the story began. And he wrote a a book and then a bunch of books. He must have been a a good one because he wrote more so he could make more money off of it. Um, But the story of Tarzan, what it is, is Tarzan and his family, they they were stranded on the coast of of Africa. He was the son of a, a wealthy British lord and lady, and they were left stranded. And when he was very young, his mother died, and then his father was uh, murdered by the tribe of apes. And this tribe of apes, the king of it, ended up taking him in as one of his own. So that's a little background, a quick background of, of Tarzan that will give you a little context for, for the trailer that we're about to watch here. We will never survive. I have done all I can to protect my family. Today, I buried my wife. Now I fear for my child. Your husband's wildness, this 
disturbs me. I need you to scream for me. Like it's Tarzan. He's Tarzan. You're Jane. He'll come for you. going on there. So the plot behind what you just saw, the plot, what's really going on there is Captain Leon Rom is using Tarzan. He's manipulating him. You know, you heard the line in there. uh, He's Tarzan. You're Jane. He will come for you. He is using Jane to manipulate Tarzan to come back to the coast of Africa. He, Tarzan, Tarzan, I guess his real name is John Clayton, did a little research for the message. You'll be glad to know. Um, but uh, John Clayton is his name. He went back to Britain. He was there for 10 years, and he's being manipulated to come back to Africa to carry out Captain Leon Rom's plan. He's trying to, um, he's got a plan of greed and revenge that he's trying to make happen. Now, that is a, a big strategic story of manipulation going on there. But manipulation, it's something that's just easy for us to, to fall into in our relationships. It, it's really just something that it, it just kind of can creep in there and happen to us without, without us really realizing it, um, that it's happening. And just to get on the same page with what we're talking about as far as manipulation goes this morning, the definition that we're, we're looking at as it relates to our relationships this morning is to control or play upon by artful, unfair, or insidious means, especially to one's own advantage. So you're using the relationship to get an advantage, to make your goals happen. The other day I caught myself falling into manipulation. We were at the, the dinner table. We had, we had eaten. We had some dessert. And, you know, somebody had some dessert and it looked, it looked pretty good. So I thought, oh, that, that looks pretty good. I'll ask them how, you know, how's that dessert? So they'll offer me some. So I said, how's the dessert? And, you know, they said it was good and they didn't offer me some. When you're trying to manipulate a five-year-old, it goes over their head sometimes. <laughs> That's a goofy example of manipulation, but... And it's really low, sophisticated manipulation. But if I continually operate in a way where I'm asking questions, but I really have another goal behind what I'm asking, it's going to erode the trust in the relationship. It's going to damage that relationship. So why, why do we manipulate? Why does that happen? Why does it come so easy to us sometimes? Well, it, it comes easy to us because we want what we want when we want it. It, start, it started back in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of time when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God. Sin entered into our world. And there's just this selfishness that we all deal with now because sin is in our world. 
So we manipulate because we have these goals or desires that that we want to happen, and we don't know how it's going to happen. We can't see how it's going to happen unless I use that relationship to get what I want. To understand how manipulation, it just it just becomes an option for us in our relationships. Let's go back and let's just take a look at where our behavior comes from. How, how does our behavior happen? Well, all of our behavior is purposeful because we do what makes sense to us. Every choice that we make, it's because it makes sense to us to act that way. Someone might say that manipulation is wrong until they're blue in the face. They're just, they're so against manipulating people. I can't believe people do that to me. And then they get in a certain situation and they relate in a manipulating way. So why, why does that happen? To understand that, we need to go back to where our behavior comes from. And our behavior, it flows out of our heart. Proverbs 4:23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. What that verse is talking about there is that what's inside our heart is going to come out in the way we relate, the way we act. And the heart that's being talked about here, it's not our physical heart that's being talked about. What it really is, it's, you can think of it as like the decision-making core of who you are. And in order to better understand our heart and our decision-making core, I want to share a diagram with you this morning that will help us to take a look at that. It's called the heart diagram. And it, it all starts with our desires. You can see up here on the screen, in the heart, we have desires, and there's little pluses and minuses around our desires. And that is to show that we have both positive and negative um, desires. We want to do what's right, but then we also, we want to get our way, we, and we don't quite want to do what's right all the time. We're a mixed bag on what we want in our desires. Now, we filter those desires through our perspectives and our values. Our perspective, it, it's, how we, it's how we view life. Um, it, it's really our perspective. You can think of it as that's how we think life really works. That's what our perspective is. Our values is that's how we rank different areas of our life. We, that's our values. It's how we rank our um, our possessions, our status, our family, our authority, you know, where do those fall in line? What's most important? And, and on and on. As our desires are filtered through our perspective and values, outcomes our behavior. So the way that we think life really works, the way that we value, the value that we give to certain things, that's going to produce our behavior. All that we do comes out of those things. So if, if we're behaving in a manipulative way, then something's off in our perspectives and our values. Sometimes I, I just feel like life is just, it's moving fast. It's just coming at me so quickly. I, I don't feel like I'm making any decisions. It's just happening. It's just going. And it's just going on. But even me feeling that way, that's, that's, there's something often in my perspective. In that situation, me, me feeling like I don't have a choice, my perspective is off because I do have a choice. I can slow down. I can make decisions and I can make them in and I'm going to make them in line with my perspective and values. So if, if we're choosing to manipulate by making someone feel guilty, 
Maybe someone turns us down when we ask for their help on something, and instead of just letting it go, we say, well, I guess you just don't have time for me anymore. That's kind of making, that's kind of, you know, manipulation. It's the definition of it right there. Not letting it go, getting the last word in, trying to put pressure on people to do what we want them to do. Or maybe um, we're choosing to manipulate by insinuating things instead of speaking directly. That's what I was doing with the dessert. I was insinuating that I wanted some. My five-year-old didn't pick up on that. So then I had to act direct, ask directly. Or maybe um, we're manipulating by having a hidden agenda um, to meet our expectations. It's hard for people to meet our expectations when they don't know what they are. Or using nonverbal cues to show our disapproval. Maybe a face you make. Or For me, I'm really good at sighing. It's kind of my go-to. <sighs> really, you're going to ask me to do that right now? Um, or maybe we, we choose to manipulate by strategizing on how we can use people to get a goal, make a goal happen, accomplish, meet our needs. All of these things are using people in a way to get what we want. And the root problem really behind all of that is that we don't believe that God's going to come through for us. We don't believe that he is going to meet our needs. The Bible, it tells us that God cares for us deeply. He actually, he knows how many hairs are on our head. That's how much he cares for us. But when we don't really believe that he's going to take care of us, then we're going to push for our way so that we can get what we want out of life. And this behavior, little by little, it damages our relationships. It hurts them. And in damaging our relationships, it's a big deal because God has made us for relationships, to relate to each other. And we see a glimpse of this in Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. It says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. God's arranged our life to flow in a, a way where healthy relationships really help to point us in the right direction. The people that we're, we're around, that's going to greatly influence our perspective and values and, and our behavior and what we do. Reading the Bible, having a relationship with, with God, that's really an important part of learning the right perspectives and values, but it's not enough because God has made us for relationships with people. And sometimes we have blind spots that we can't see on our own, so we need a friend to point it out, to show us how we're not relating in the right way. And sometimes we just get discouraged. We get down. And we need some people around us who are still going forward to help us to, to keep moving forward. Having good, solid relationships with the right people, it really, it really helps us to act in a way that's in line with God's perspective and his values. But manipulation, it robs us of that. Manipulation, it pushes us away from people. It keeps people at arm's length because they don't know if we're saying what we mean. They don't know if we're just trying to use them to get what we want. 
And so to combat this, we have to have a major shift in our perspective. To combat our manipulative tendencies, we have to, we have to switch it because we can't arrange life in a way where we meet all of our needs ourselves. We can't control every situation to meet our needs. And people, they're not created to fulfill our needs. And so we have to recognize that only God can meet my deep felt needs. We were all made to need certain things. We, we, need, um, we just need meaning and purpose in our lives, and we need stability and security. And these needs are not mad. They ref- are not bad. They reflect how God has made us. I want to, to read a psalm um, this morning in the Bible that really helps us to take a look at where our, our focus and our, our focus should be on our needs. Um, it was written by King David. It's Psalm 62. There's a listening guide in your handout that you can use to follow along with the message. And because we're looking at the whole psalm this morning, we put that on the back there for you so you can, you can read along, take any notes that you might want to take. But this psalm, it's written like poetry, but it's really instructive for us and where, where we can look for our needs to be met. So let's go ahead and start reading and going through this. Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. From the start of of this psalm, you see David's at a place in his life where he's really reflecting He's reflecting deeply on his life and and what he's putting his trust in. You don't say things like, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. You don't say that unless you're really in a reflective mood, a reflective time. And David is saying that God alone is where he's putting his trust. He alone is my salvation. He alone is my rock. I was at the beach on Friday with my, my family and at this beach, there was a rock that was just a, a little ways away. It was a big, huge rock. I don't know if rock's a good term. Boulder, I, that's probably not even big enough. Cliff, I don't know. But the waves were crashing against it. And all of these forces are coming against this rock. You have the tide, the waves, the, the water, and it is not budging. It is there. It is solid. That's what David is talking about here. He's describing God as someone I can put my trust in. He is the rock where I can anchor my life to. And then he goes on to describe some situations that have come against him. In verse 3, he says, How long will all of you attack a man to batter him like a leaning wall, a tottering fence? The only plan to thrust him down from it. They only plan to thrust him down from his high position. They take pleasure in falsehood. They bless with their mouths, but inwardly they curse. This is an example of what people around us can do. At one point, David's own son, Absalom, was trying to take his crown away. He was trying to take his crown away in just a a crafty way. That might be what David is, is writing about in this verse. We, we don't know exactly what he's writing about. But the point is that people can hurt us because they're not perfect. And I can hurt other people. We can hurt other people because we're not perfect. So putting our trust 
and our hope in people meeting our needs is really it's, it's putting our trust on shaky ground. And that's what David's talking about. But he's not despairing because people have come against him. They've tried to take him out. He doesn't try to manipulate to get what he wants. Instead, this is what he says. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock. My refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Now we see some common themes here. Waiting on God is mentioned twice. Describing God as a refuge or a fortress is, is mentioned four times. That really speaks to our need that we want stability and security. And God as a rock is mentioned three times. Then in verse 8, there's a call to action. David says, pour out your heart before him. He's talking about talking to God. What happens is we typically... We hit a situation or, or we have needs, and we typically want to pour that out to the people closest to us in the hopes that they're going to meet those needs that we have. That's typically where, where, where I run, where it's easy to run to. But David has a different perspective on life that he's talking about here. He's seeing the reality that God is the one who can meet our needs. Sometimes he uses people to meet our needs. But he is pleading with us to go to God first. Ask God for help first with our needs. Because God will take care of them if we go to him for help. Then take a look at, at what he says next. So he tells us to pour out our needs to God. And then he says, those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together, lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. David is, is pleading with us to not put our trust, not set our heart on earthly things, on our money, our relationships, on our houses. He's saying those are just but a breath. They're here one day and gone the next. The encouragement from David is to put our trust in God, not how big our bank account is or how nice our house is or how solid our relationships are because that can shift on us. And then he concludes with this. He says, once God has spoken, twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God and that you, O Lord, belong steadfast love. For you will render a man according to his work. David concludes with an emphasis on trusting in God's power and in his love. This is in contrast to putting our trust in our relationships. And this brings up a tension that there is because God has made us for relationships. But he's telling us not to put all our trust in the relationships. So there's a tension in how we relate with people. We need to continue to have relationships and trust in the people in those relationships appropriately. And that will help us to team together to accomplish things. It'll give us, there'll be joy in it. But there's a difference between trusting people in a relationship and putting our trust in people to meet our needs. When we expect people to meet our needs, it puts this unnatural pressure on that relationship. 
And that perspective that people are going to meet my needs, it, it leads us towards wanting to manipulate in, this, in, our, in our relationships because that's how I'm going to get my needs met. So what is the key from moving from manipulation to dependence on God? Well, the first part of it is to turn to God for help. It might help to read Psalm 62 this week, maybe once, once a day or a couple times a day, and just read it to look and see how much of our attention that, that David is telling us to turn to God and wait for his, his provision. It takes a deep trust in God to be able to, to go to him first with our needs, with, with things that, that we need. And for our trust to grow in God, it can grow in, diff- in a lot of different ways. But one way is that we can take a risk based on what the Bible says. And then we can wait and see God come through for us. Read the Bible, study it, and take a risk on what he says. Another way is God just might put us in a position where there's no other way to turn except for to trust God. My family and I, we were put in a position where there was just nowhere to turn but to trust God a couple weeks ago when we were driving back from vacation and our car broke down at 10 p.m. in Bakersfield, California, kind of the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's there's things there, but the middle of nowhere as far as people we know <laughs> around us. The closest people to us were, were two hours, two and a half hours away. Our car just, it stopped, stopped working, 10 p.m., my three kids are asleep in the back, and I'm thinking, oh, man, how's, I, I didn't know what to do. called my dad because I just didn't know what else to do. So I called him and just said, please pray. <laughs> please pray for us as we figure out what to do. Um, Gina, she posted a, a prayer on Pray Buzz. People started praying. People are offering to come pick us up. But as I'm thinking, AAA is coming in 40 minutes. The closest anybody is is two hours that's a gap of like an hour and 20 minutes where me and my family are just sitting at a a not great gas station Um, I it just didn't seem like that was going to work out so we prayed and we asked God for help to meet our needs and I just started making phone calls so triple A's on their way only two people could fit in the triple A the triple A tow truck so that's not going to work we got five so then I called the Hampton Inn because I had points thought, hey, I'll save some money. Go to Hampton Inn. I got points there. No rooms available. Oh, bummer. So I, I thought, hey, I like Holiday Inn Express's cinnamon rolls. I'm going to give them a call. <laughs> Called Holiday Inn Express. They had a room. It was great. And then I said, do you have a shuttle? No, we don't have a shuttle to get you from the gas station there. Okay, but here's a taxi service. Got the taxi number. Called. God worked it out so that we were all to the hotel in an hour, hour and a half. God just worked it out. He met our needs. And one of the things that, that he really showed me through it was that first hotel that I called was, was on, the, on a different side of Bakersfield. The one that had a room that he put us at, because I liked the cinnamon rolls, was right across the highway from the auto shop where our car was getting taken, taken care of. So it was easy to get to. God worked it all out. God can be trusted to meet our needs. And as we continue to turn to God, to ask him first to meet our needs, our, our faith, our trust is going to grow in, in him as we do that. 
Another way to combat just wanting to manipulate to get what we want in relationships is just to ask God to show you any manipulative strategies that you might be that you might have. God can show us the ways that we're relating that aren't right if we ask him. It helps also when we're asking God to have some questions to think through while while we're asking him to show us. So here's a couple questions that have helped me to evaluate and see if I'm relating in a way that's putting pressure on people or manipulating. And I think it might be a help to you as well. So one of the questions is, are you obligating anyone in your life right now to meet your expectations through guilt or pressure? Is there any way that you're just obligating people to do something for you? Or are you frustrated in a, in a relationship due to an unspoken expectation that's not being met? I know it's easy for me to sometimes get frustrated in a relationship and then I realize, yeah, I never even said that that was an expectation of mine. So are you doing that which is causing you to put pressure on the relationship? Or do you make plans for others and get upset when it doesn't work out the way that you wanted it to? Maybe you're making, you have something, a task that you're trying to get done. You have a plan for it and what's going on. And in your plan, you're thinking, oh, so-and-so can do this. They'll be great. And then you ask them and they can't do it. You get frustrated with them. That can lead us to manipulating people. When we put pressure on people and they don't come through for us, it just leads to frustration. We get frustrated with the relationship. So an attitude that can really help us to turn from manipulating and to, um, to trust in God is just to appreciate the people that God has put around us. Appreciate the people God has put in our life. Appreciating people, it's, it's a choice. When we choose to appreciate people by thanking them for things that they've done or encouraging good qualities that we see in them, what happens is it pulls our hearts towards that person in a relationship with them, rather than keeping people at at an arm's length distance. It pulls us towards each other, and our perspective starts to shift from how can I use this relationship to get my need met to how can I help this person meet their needs. Choosing the perspective that God's going to take care of my needs, it just has a tremendous impact on our relationships and the people around us. Imagine the joy and just the things that you can accomplish if you have that as your perspective, that God's going to meet my needs. I don't need to spend time trying to get my needs met through this relationship, through this person, but God's going to take care of me. It might be through that person, or it might be in a different way. People fully content on God have wonderful relationships. May God help us as we look to him and look for his provision to help us to have those kind of relationships. I'd like to wrap up the message this morning by inviting the band up and the ushers to get ready to receive the offering. And I'd like to to ask you to take out your connection card. And on the back of that connection card, there's some next steps. You might have a next step that you want to take care of or that next step that you want to take Um, this morning in response to the message. And then when the offering ushers come around, you can take those connection cards and drop them in the offering baskets. Here's a couple next steps that you might want to take today. 
First is to turn to God first for help in blank. Maybe there's a situation, you know, right now. I just need to turn to God first in that and ask him for help. Or a next step might be to ask God to show me any manipulative strategies. Maybe you want to work through those questions this week and just think through your relationships. Is there ways that I'm putting pressure on relationships? Or you might want to take a next step just to express express appreciation to blank this week, to somebody this week. You just want to tell them that you appreciate them to help to not get into a, a position where you want to use that relationship to manipulate. Let's pray as we continue to worship. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you that we get to worship you. And thank you for the truth of the Bible that just gives us ways to relate that are healthy, that really produce just a a good life and, and good relationships. We pray for your help to apply what the, what your word says to do. Just help us to do that this week. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.